wealthy experts, where we are bringing on experts in their field to help us build effectively a wealthy life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wealthy Experts. And today I have Pete Steele. Uh, Pete has been around the blocks for quite a while. You can probably see that from the gray hairs, <laughs> but uh, he has had a, an exceptional career at CBA, one of the senior executives, head of digital transformation and digital products. He then moved to Boston Consulting Group and then has since created a business called True Savings. Um, Peter and I have been doing a little bit of work to, together and their business really is transformative. And, and if you haven't already heard of it, you certainly will over the next couple of years. Now, I've been very interested to get him on the podcast today to talk about his experiences, some of the things that he's seeing in the market. And it is probably a very topical time at the moment. But um, Pete, thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, great to, great to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. And uh, it did used to be, when I first got a little bit, it was a little bit of salt in the pepper is the way it was described to me. And now I seem to have come back after my COVID shaved head with um, just a lot of uh, salt now, unfortunately, but that's fine. It's, uh, it's part of getting older. No, it's okay. You got to cherish those moments. Charlotte follows me around with tweezers trying to pluck them out. I'm like, just that's how it starts. <laughs> um, I mean, you've had quite the lucrative career, and many, many people would be blessed to have gone through many experiences that you have and to, to get to such heights. Can you kind of give us a you know a roundabout story or a direct path, however you'd like to tell us about? how you've come to land at, at creating true savings and sort of the culmination of events that brought you here. Yeah, for sure. Happy to. Um, I have had a really wonderful career and continue to have so as well. I've always been a techie at heart and always been really fascinated by business problems. But the, the thing, I mean, I'm about to talk about where I've been with big banks, but the thing that I've loved most I've found is working with great teams and great people and using tech to help customers, like genuinely where you can feel you're making a difference in customers' lives. So I, about 17 years ago, I was lucky enough to join CBA, started working for an executive there, made my way up through the ranks there. And um, for the last seven years, I was running digital, which was the, the mobile app. We built that, um, NetBank and all the innovation. And, and it was really a fantastic role. And many people thought I was crazy for leaving. Uh, but I got to the point where I was so happy with what we've been able to do for customers. And I loved working with the teams I was with, but I was starting to get a little bit flat. And um, I wanted to do more to, to help people. And I, I felt there's a window of time where the things I'd learned, the skills I had, and, and the way I can pull a team together and use tech to help customers, I had a window of opportunity to do that. And I thought there's nothing more important than home loans, at least financially in Australia. And uh, I could see from for all the time I had at the bank, they do a wonderful job helping customers put them into home loans, but they don't always do as good a job making sure they're on a keen price and um, and really having their needs met. So I thought there's a big space out there for us to play. Um, yeah, so I set up the team in the middle of the pandemic, which is a bit crazy. Set up the team. We did some fundraising. Had some. I've got some wonderful um, angel investors who have helped me uh, with advice as well as investment. And um, set the team up uh, January this year. We've been running hard at it. So it's, what is it now? <laughs> Just the start of October. And uh, it's been crazy working in a pandemic. We were in person together for a little while there in the um, you know, three or four months in July 
time frame, but then it all closed down again. So it's all been remote, which is a bit tough. But um, no, we're running really fast and really excited to be working with Wealthy and others um, to really help customers. So, I mean, it, it's interesting that you have done what you've done. It, it takes a lot of bravery for anyone to go out and start a business, particularly during a pandemic, particularly if you're coming out of such an established and well-defined career. Um, did you feel all the nervousness? Was, was there a sense of excitement? How, how did you sort of, how did you muster the courage to go and do something like this? I mean, there's a passion for, for helping the client certainly, but you know, you, you, what you've managed to do is recruit a great team around you very, very quickly, but you've also got to get an idea and bring people along on that vision. Sort of work me through that kind of, that, that, that sensation. Many people, you know, they say, oh, you know, I should have done it when I was 20 when I could take yeah. the risk. But you've got a family, you've got, you've got kids, you've got things that you've, you've got a lot of responsibility. Was that any harder? Let's work me through that kind of process. Yeah, I've always been happy to take some level of risk in my life. Uh, when I was 25, my wife and I quit our consulting jobs and flew over to the UK. We literally cashed, you could do it at that time, we cashed in our superannuation and um, bought airline tickets and went halves in her engagement ring flew over to the uk um, without jobs like and we found jobs in the first couple of weeks there so yeah then that worked out pretty well we came back and had kids so having i certainly i recommend everyone is prepared to take some risk i've, I've got some really good mentors though and so i bounced around what i was thinking with a couple of them and um yeah similar to what you're asking they, they the two of them in particular were really encouraging about you know you, you'll get a much greater upside if you're prepared to take some risk, but there's always fallback options as well. But so far, I feel it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Like the, the customer response has been fantastic. The working with the teams, more exciting than even the wonderful job I had at CBA. So I don't think um, people you know, feel complacent when they're in a big career job, but a lot of them have an itch that they can do something more and um, swing for the fences. And certainly that's how I feel. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been wonderful and I've had great support and um, I think we're just getting started. Like there's so much opportunity to help people in Australia. And, and that's a really good point because I really do feel like there is a, a, an opportunity to help so many Australians. I mean, property is, I think, one of the largest wealth generators for Australians, for Australians as a whole. Yeah. It's worth, what, $9 trillion or something and it makes up, what, 70 80% of you know, household wealth. Um, and it is mismanaged more often than not without the right support. Now, the, the news today is that APRA is coming out and they're making, you know, servicing a little bit harder. They're increasing that, that assessment rate to 3% instead of 25 mm. um, How do you think that that's going to impact your space? Do you think it's going to make it even more important for people to talk to you? Or do you see there's going to be a massive impact or change in the market or... You know, what's sort of bubbling away in your mind when you read that article this morning? I think it's really profound um, because it's, it's the start of regulatory intervention, uh, which is while at face value, the amount of the increase in the buffer, it's, it's negligible because the big banks, most of them have been operating at that level that APRA is now mandating anyway. Um, not the alternate lenders, but the big banks have. So immediate impact, negligible but actually the signal it's sending which is they're going to start to take steps to maintain an orderly housing market's really important because 
all good investors and homeowners, you want some level of sustained growth. You don't want a bubble or anything. And it doesn't feel like that at all, but making responsible lending decisions, everybody has got you know vested interest in that. So the banks, they want to lend well to customers who can afford it. Uh, people like my, my business wants to help customers make sure they make good investments, borrow the right way for the family home or for a property um, investment property. So I think overall, it's a sign of a couple of things. It's certainly a hot market. And so like any hot market, they want to make sure it, it continues a, a controlled climb rather than get spiky. Uh, it, it talks, I think that is the first of several changes they'll probably go into, but there's a level of energy in the market and maybe it might result in some customers having some anxiety. Am I going to miss out? Do I have to move quicker? Certainly my advice is to, to, to talk to experts like you're like wealthy and like true to say, um, you know, what's the right sort of vehicles to invest in or to borrow for, um, get the right sort of repayment structure, not go in too deep, not, not overcommit, but make sure it's a really good plan for the future, the sustainable. And um, that's what the regulators want. That's what good um, home loan brokers like us want to make sure that customers are set up well for the future. It's a really good point that you've made there that, you know, we did the math, it's negligible. There's not a lot in that. And you're right, many of the main banks are already assessing people at higher rates. Mm. The message that it sends is very important. And, and Peter and I were saying that it's, we feel it may be the first of a few other changes that will come. It always starts very, very slowly and then it kind of escalates. And if, if they're going to think about something most recently and close to all of us, it started with a two-week lockdown and then it became three weeks and then it became three months. Mm. So you don't make changes all at once. It happens very, very gradual. Yeah. And I like how you've taken that and actually I, I didn't think about it in the way that people, the sophisticated borrowers out there may in fact now bring their borrowing forward because it is a sign of things to come and it will get harder for, for people to go and get loans down the road. Do you think it's going it's to a, get a lot harder? I don't think it'll get a lot harder. I think it, it, it's creating a level of immunity or buffer as well, um, not just the current you know, strong market, but also for potential interest rate increases eventually as well. That's what the RBA most cares about, making sure that people can continue to pay their loans in the future. I think it's a very good sign, though, as well, for your community, for investors. Um, it's a sign of responsible management by the government as well, in partnership with the major lenders. And so in the next few years, you know, a few interventions here and there, again, you want this orderly, steady increase in asset values. Um, and so interventions like this, I think, are really well should be really well received by good investors because they realise um, you know, if, if we're seeing a strong market when we're locked down and the borders aren't open, um, you, know, you, you don't want it to get much the rate of increase to get much stronger too quickly. So you want an orderly increase, and and I think it's a real positive sign that the banks and the government are working towards that. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really positive. And this is a good another good point. Many. You know, I, I jump into the YouTube comments. So this is a, a quick note for all of you watching, listening. If you're liking what we're doing, leave a comment. If you disagree or have any further questions, put it in the comments below so Peter and I can dive into them. But many of the comments do come back to saying, well, you know, interest rates are going to hit 6% or 7% or, 
you know, this we, we are in a bubble environment. They think about the financial crisis of 2008 and the, the responsible lending or the irresponsible lending that happened in America. And this is, I think, the perfect example of how Australia is run differently to other countries. And in many ways, we run, you know, essentially an oligarchy. You know, there are four major banks that I, I don't say that with any venom, but just there are people that are running the country from a banking level, they do talk to each other, they talk to the government, and it allows for them to make these small and subtle tweaks along the way so that it can be, as you said, a more orderly growth and not something that's spirals out of control with too many people and mixed messaging. Yeah, exactly. And the, the I th look, I've studied overseas banks and the Australian market as well. I think the Australian market's largely very well run. The majors, like it's in particular, and a couple of the regulators. And you can see compared to world performance, there's been times um, other parts of the world have got overheated and didn't take the right intervention. So I think that that's a real positive for Australia. I, with my, um, as you point out, grey hair, I do remember I was a kid, but I remember there was 17% interest rates at one stage, um, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And um, I don't think we'll ever see them again. But when you're in a certain phase of the, whether it's stock markets or housing cycle, it's always hard to see the change but low interest rates, eventually they will go up again. Um, it might only be one or two percent because it, it's, it's going to be a function of world um, funding markets as well. But um, I, I think when we're in a state of high demand like this, it, it is real positive. It's particularly Sydney and Melbourne, not limited to, but they're wonderful cities. A lot of people want to live in Sydney and Melbourne. So you're seeing increased rates of demand. So, same with parts of Queensland as well. Um, I think it's sustained demand. I don't think we're any chance of being in a bubble, though. It's just hot because there's a lot of people who want to either investment exposure or to live in those environments. Um, and the, the trick is for the regulators and the banks and all of us to be responsible to manage increased demand over the years. Immigration starts to open up again um, and make sure it just continues on that lovely upward trajectory that um, you know, is certainly good for asset appreciation for all of us. So... I want to move to the next topic. Before we do, though, uh, are there any sort of parting thoughts or any words of wisdom that you can, knowing where we are in the cycle and, and seeing that we are in this low interest rate environment, that regulation is starting to come in and interest rates may start to increase, have you got any hints or tips for the audience about how they should be responding, thinking about the market today and now and how they should come in and do something about it, how they can take control? Um, look, it's, it's a little bit of a self-serving plug, but for both, I think for the audience, for the community, to talk to businesses like both of ours, which a sustainable business is based on helping customers think about their decisions the right way, um, whether investment decisions, um, lending for investments or for their existing property, refinancing. I, I've learned, like if I had my time again, I certainly would have um, made different property investment decisions earlier and more often in my life uh, and our family's investment portfolio. It, it's good, but it could have been a lot better. Uh, but getting advice to make sure, credit advice to make sure you don't overcommit, you manage, um, but you don't miss opportunities as well. It's, it's invaluable. So uh, don't always believe, you know, taxi drivers are great. Um, don't always believe what you hear on the street. Talk to an expert. And, um, and, and they have your best interests at heart and will help you set things up right. Yeah, I, I agree then. And talk to many experts. Talk yeah. to True. Talk to CBA. Talk to a few. Get an opinion. See who 
who you feel actually has their best interests at heart or your best you can trust and who you've got a rapport and who you want to be there with you in a couple more years as well and keep doing business together so on that note what is your definition of you know wealth or building a wealthy life or having a wealthy life how do you think about wealth and how, how you try and manifest it in, in your life I, I, my definition of that would probably maybe a little bit more traditional Italian Mediterranean Italian which is um, uh, having financial freedom so that you can then spend your time on what really matters so um, you know being able to save enough and have diversified investments that are returning so that in my case you, I don't have to be slave to a nine to five or, or a, a six to 9 p.m career job constantly people want to spend time in the sunshine with their family with friends doing some sport um, having choices because uh, time is precious and so I, my definition of wealth is getting yourself to a point uh, pre you know before too late in life where you can actually be thoughtful as to how you spend your time um, on what really matters and uh, and maybe it's a slightly rose-colored glasses view of the world but I think anyone who can get to that point um, through hard work and saving uh, and diversified investments you know it's a wonderful place to be. Can I just want to challenge you on this point because I know that you're process oriented you've worked hard and you have built something for yourself um, assuming you get to this point do you think you're ever just going to turn off the keys and walk away or is there a <laughs> no. piece of you that's going to keep on working and, and how does that because what the reason why I ask this point is because I feel like very generally I hear this answer and I, I think about it myself and I, I have had luxuries where I could turn off the keys and walk away or slow down but maybe it's it's stage in life or career and whatever and it's a lot of people working from home, so we can choose to live a more fulfilling life, whatever that means. So do, mm. do you think that you would just walk away off into the sunset and start oh, no. and drinking mojitos? I probably, no, I didn't articulate that well. I would never, I love work and I love what I do. Um, it's more, it would alleviate the sense of have to work uh, and you can allocate more time. In, in my case, it's, I love sport, love my family. Um, you can allocate more time to that. Uh, and again, it might be a latter stage career thing. Um, but I, certainly I'd like to be able to shift gears rather than turn off the engine is how I think about it. But um, yeah, I, I think people who are genuinely passionate in their work lives, they want a level of carry through like that. And, and I saw a good article the other day, the kind of your focus changes a bit, certainly in my career stage a lot of the emphasis becomes about helping others as well, individual performance, team, but just coaching and mentoring and passing on a little bit of the wisdom as well. So getting time for me, getting to a point where I can do those things that I choose to do versus what I have to do from a classic career um, salary earning, I think that's a great place to be. Yeah, it's that Maslow hierarchy of needs, starting at the bottom, put a roof over your head and yeah. food, shelter and as you move up the hierarchy, you can start to sort of self-actualize and then it's about helping other people around you. Which is fantastic. And actually you find after a while you get enough material, get enough um, investment results, but then after a while you get real joy from helping others. So anyway, that, that's my personal definition of, uh, of, of and it's, it's probably, it's vastly different than what I would have answered 30 years ago. Mm. But um, as, as you say, it's the journey I've been on. And what's the one thing that we could all do or change today that we could live a wealthier life or, or, or 
you know, accelerate our career to having a wealthier life or getting to that point? What's something that, you know, you do religiously that, or, or that you've seen or done over the past 30 years that you said, hey, that's the thing that really helped me build the wealthier life that I've got today? Everyone's got their own um, saving philosophy. I'll give you a couple of quick answers rather than one. I, I certainly, um, my wife's parents are Croatian background and they're always talking about, um, you know, you want, you want land or you want property, you want bricks. Um, they didn't understand the stock market, but they're very traditional. They paid cash. They always negotiated and they wanted, you know, to make sure we were getting some bricks and land early. And so I think there's actually a lot of truism in that. Um, having certainly my tip is having diversified investments is really good. Having investments is really good of various sorts. Um, but savings, people regularly, when I was earning a you know, different profile to what I'm earning now in my own startup, when I was earning a, um, a career salary um, at CBA, I was guilty of not um, being as careful with spending as I should have been. And so, you know, it, it takes discipline, but just regularly checking where the money's going, um, looking at the credit card statements, what's that line? You know, it actually adds up quite a lot over a couple of years. Um, and so having that discipline and, of course, you know, certainly I encourage people nowadays, the home loan's the most expensive product um, that we have in most of our lives or, or in various mortgages. And um, I, I paid the loyalty tax for way too long, even though I was a CBA executive. And then I just took for granted that they were looking after me. But nowadays I see... Um, you know, we, we all overpay on that. So just, just having an eye to the detail of spending patterns is probably the thing I didn't do as well as I should have. Um, but respecting the power of investment um, over the years is, um, you know, that, that traditional wisdom really holds true today, I think, as well. So it sounds like the details matter. When I'm listening to you, I hear it's pay attention to the little things because over time they accumulate and whether mm. that's your spending habits, saving habits and your investment habits. Yeah, that's then, spot on. Yeah, that's that's really important. And is there is there anything recently, I mean, do, do you read often, listen to audiobooks and is there anything in there that you've seen, heard, you know, piece of a word of wisdom that recently got passed on to you or even, you know, historically has been passed on to you, some kind of philosophy that you live by that you could pass on to all of us? <laughs> I don't think I've got um, wise philosophy. I, I You know, the, this is a once in a generation event, this whole pandemic thing um, that's been going on and it's horrendous and horrible and anyone who's been impacted by it. And, and many of my friends have their families, often elderly people in their families impacted. So it's awful. It, it is also a learning opportunity as well. You know, not to be political, I, I don't... I'm not into politics, but I thought Gladys, excellent leader. Um, resilience and leadership is probably the thing I've focused a lot on lately and just the role of leaders, business leaders, small business, large businesses. And it changes even more so than ever to be less about you, but more about who's around you and, and, and how are you helping them in these sort of these tough times. So, um, and, and then there's various leadership books and, um, and authors who... I think do a much better job of articulating that than I do. But, but I just look at some of the, it, it can be small examples of the small corner store or the, the manufacturing business, the cafes, or again, um, political leaders. You get such a range of responses in an incredibly tough time like this. And um, resilience, positivity, care for others, and um, an eye to the future, as well as dealing with the current tough situation they're the things that I've got out of um, the last two years, which is 
uh, an unprecedented learning opportunity, if nothing else. And you mentioned leadership books. Is there anything that you've read or seen or heard? That is, is there any anything that we could literally dive into today and pick it up and say, oh, Pete, Pete's, you know, gotten that from this book or I'm putting yeah, it on the spot. Uh, I read a lot. The, the, probably the one that's easiest to consume, less a book, um, Simon Sinek um, or Sinek. I, I really like his, everything from quick digestible quotes to um, some of his his books are really powerful. Um, this concept of the the leader eats last, and um, and how you help others, and um, the mantle that you carry as a, and the shadow you cast as a leader um, in any form. It can be again small business, um, and the effect you have on others, how you serve them, or it can be a large business and the way you respond um, selflessly in helping your team and customers. Um, so I'd, I'd rate him highly in his work, and so that's a great starting point. Simon Sinek is, is really good. And I, I like your attention to leadership. And I, I talk about this all the time with my team, with my family, with my friends. I feel like people don't appreciate, and it sounds a bit woo-woo, but we really all are leaders in a way. People look to you in one way or another. And the way that you hold yourself is such an important way to sort of project it's a it's an important way to hold yourself to a standard that you be a bit cognizant yeah. that people are looking to you and don't underestimate the value of what you speak and the way that you act and that's exactly a, right yeah. It, yeah it takes effort you, you we're all intrinsically good people but we have sometimes reactions to preserve self or run from the tough stuff and so it, it takes quite a mental effort to shift yourself to genuinely acting to, for others' best interests first in every fight or flight opportunity from a business leader. And then also being conscious of the shadow you cast. You're, one of my bosses used to tell me, you're, you're always on. Um, you know, I, sometimes I'd look at my phone when I was in a meeting or I'd an offhand comment or something. And he says, you, you've got to remember people are taking signals from you and the way you act sends the signal of what's okay or how others should respond. So Having that mindset that for whatever role we're in in life or business, I think it's really important. It's a good point because it shapes you. When you when when you take it, what it does, I feel like it almost makes me personally think about myself outside myself. Hmm. I think about other people more than inside, and it, it in a way causes you to become selfless. And it helps you to become more responsible in your daily interactions. And I know that it's helped me navigate situations better than I would have if I'd just been internally motivated and listened to what yeah. my, my first response would have been, which isn't necessarily the right one. Well, look, at you, you, it's taken me about 30 years longer than it's taken you. But yeah, that's, that's I think, that self-actualization journey that we all need to be on. Uh, look, it's easy to talk philosophy. It's a different thing when, you know, you get yelled at for not taking out the washing or something. And then <laughs> the animal inside re reacts. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, this part, I want to move on to talking about selflessness and, and how we can help others. How can True and how can you help the audience today? Like how specifically, what can people come to you to ask you uh, for help for? What's your little area of expertise or... Where are your yeah. team really flying high or what can we reach out and help ask for help from you? Yeah, great. So we, we're very focused on helping people um, with their mortgages, but in like creating a really new way to do that because I described today as 
the whole mortgage industry. It's hugely important for Australia, like and and for individual families, for the economy. But it's it's quite polarized between traditional mortgage brokers, which many of them do a great job, phone call, a lot of paperwork, that sort of thing, and some online websites as well. But when we started building our platform, we did a lot of customer research and interaction. We realized that people want to talk to other people in some way to get help and expertise. I was talking to a customer yesterday and um, he said, look, I'm a visual person. I need to see the shape of things to help me understand my choices. And, um, and, and that was a great customer. So we've invented a platform. We're all about mortgages and helping customers save money or get the right deal, the best deal. Um, but we've our platform allows a connection remotely like this, but inside a browser, no Teams or Zoom or anything like that. And our experts are on demand available to help customers. And we use market pricing to help them understand the very best options out there. But often investments and even your own property owner occupied requires some thinking around structures and choices. And so that's where this whole visual element comes in. And customers have loved it. They've um, understood, you know, get, got this clarity um, for in, in times they haven't had in the past as well, because mortgages are quite confusing and intimidating. And, um, and then we, we help customers and then we obviously help them get into the best product in the market and, um, and manage it well as well so that they keep saving year after year. So I think the thought provoker would be um, if I'm investing uh, or if I've got an existing loan or even that first home buyer, um, we're at truesavings.com and um, it's a really easy to use website. Our experts connect through it and, uh, you know, we, we, it's a terrible time of the pandemic, but the remote access that we've all got now, I think we kind of landed the right proposition where many people are going to be happy dealing remotely or expect that super convenience. So we bring together all the data and experts and convenience all in one platform. And I don't want to pigeonhole you right now, but I do want to say it feels like to me, if you are out there watching, listening, and you are a visual person and you want to be able to see how things uh, come out, people get scared and intimidated by mortgages, a lot of numbers, there's you know data, percentages, and, and there's lots of different moving bits. I'm very visual. I love getting a piece of paper, drawing pictures, whiteboards, all that kind of stuff. It's almost like a tactile experience. So it feels to me like you've created a tactile experience and, and been able to better visualize how things are moving around. So it feels like anyone out there that is of that sort of mindset that is very visual, definitely reach out to you. But certainly you can help anybody. Um, and how can, how can we help you? I and mean, what's happening in your life at the moment? <laughs> what should we be reaching out to help you with? One of the, the guys said he needed furniture on the show and... and you know, we've had a whole host of different requests. What's bubbling away in your world that we can serve you in? Oh, it's very kind. Um, I haven't really thought about that. We, I mean, we, I think we've got a shared interest, your organisation and mine, in helping customers um, you know, capitalise on on property and um, and save money. So uh, I, th I think continually helping educate each other's customers' base, bases, I think, is really important. I'm really impressed with the academy and the work that you guys have been doing at Wealthy. So, um, yeah, so I think some shared education, helping lift um, knowledge in the market's really good. But other than that, you can just um, get vaccinated and help me get everyone get to um, opening next week in New South Wales or their first opening in Sydney. And uh, I just can't wait to get out and play some sport. I play golf. 
and uh, as one of my sports. And so just into some sunshine next week, if you could organize that. And yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to um, getting out there and eating out again. Cool. So your message to the, the audience is go get vaccinated because you <laughs> want to get back out and play golf. <laughs> get vaccinated. Uh, check your home loan at truesavings.com. Talk to Wealthy and True about um, uh, future investments and, uh, and be good to each other as we open up. Cool. Pete, thank you very much for the show today. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's great catching Likewise, up. Dom. And I'm, I'm enjoying our collaboration. Uh, for all of you that are out there, you know, watching and enjoyed the show, like it, leave comments, all that normal stuff. Send it to 100 of your friends. Um, and again, if you've got any questions, just reach out, let us know. Otherwise, have an amazing week. And I look forward to chatting you all in the next show, next episode. Thanks a lot, Dom. <laughs>